This podcast is sponsored in part by Fiverr. Click the link in the show notes. And if you purchase anything from Fiverr, you're helping not only this podcast, you're helping to spread the gospel all around the world. You're helping to stop the slave trade and human trafficking. And you're helping the persecuted church. Fiverr's an online marketplace for freelance services. Fiverr, it starts here. By the Fire Podcast presents The Heart Speaks. Written and performed by Dave Smale. Chapter 5 Death by Social Media. The internet exploded with video of Tyrone mercilessly beating the thuggish boyfriend. The video was shared tens of thousands of times within an hour of its posting. It carried a banner that read, Cop Beats Down Innocent Victim, and contained hashtags such as Police Brutality, Hashtag They Don't Care About Us, and Hashtag Cops Kill Blacks. Within minutes, it seemed, every local news outlet had glommed onto the scoop, deceptively reporting half the story and identifying Tyrone while concealing the boyfriend's identity. On his phone, Tyrone watched a preview. Tonight at 6, police brutality caught on shocking raw video. The same police officer whose daughter was murdered just two weeks ago. What's he doing back on the job so soon? Should there be a longer mandatory convalescent leave period after such a tragedy? That story and more tonight. A news anchor said as grainy video rolled of Tyrone pounding the boyfriend's face. Tyrone looked up from his phone. He stood outside his lieutenant's office waiting to be called in. Inside Vale's office was the captain and the deputy chief of police. He couldn't hear what they were saying but knew it couldn't be good. He caught looks from his peers. Some were sympathetic, others not so much. Tyrone didn't see Channing and Cole. Hopefully they were out chasing a lead on his daughter's murder case. Jerry was at his desk, back turned as if shunning him, punishing him. Tyrone felt the pang of disappointment. He let his partner down, and the department and himself. Bowman, come in, please. Lieutenant Vale called. Tyrone breathed deep and entered. All three of his superiors stood. The captain, a late 50s salt-and-pepper-haired white man named First, was on the left side of the desk. The deputy chief, a black woman in her early 50s with a perfect hairdo, named James, was on the right. Vale, who looked older and more stressed than either of them, was behind the desk. "'Detective,' Vale began. "'As you know, the incident that occurred today has made the headlines. "'The media is hounding us for statements, interviews, "'demanding reprimand and everything else. "'But that's not the worst part. "'We,' Vale motioned to the superior officers, "'reviewed your record. "'You're one of the best officers in the city. "'No write-ups, no complaints, no incidents.' 
stellar performance. But we just finished watching the video. The two things don't compute. Can you please explain to us what happened? The nervousness evident in his voice, Tyrone told them everything, from the time he'd discovered that the boyfriend hadn't given an official statement, to Jerry pulling him off the man. His superiors shot glances at each other throughout, but never interrupted him. When he finished, he took another deep breath, subconsciously bracing for impact. So, Deputy Chief James said, what I'm hearing is that you let the suspect get to you. Yes, Chief, Tyrone answered. And I'm sure that, had you not been back on duty so soon after the loss of your child, this might never have happened, she added. Uh, Tyrone began, I guess we'll never know, Chief. <laughs> You're right about that, Captain First said. You're probably right, though, Chief, Tyrone added. Listen, Detective, James said. We're all so sorry for your loss. I can't imagine what you're going through. But I also know, if it were me, I wouldn't be back to work yet. You lost a child, your only child, as I understand, just two weeks ago. I mean, that's too soon, in my opinion. Agreed, First chimed in. I can't believe he was cleared, said James. Again, agreed, said First. With all due respect, Chief, Captain, Tyrone said, VBPD policy only allows for one week of bereavement leave. I'm well aware, Detective, James said sharply. Tyrone nodded humbly, as if to stifle any furor brewing under the Chief's collar, then said, I took another week after bereavement. After my daughter's funeral, I figured we'd need some time. Go to counseling and all that. But my wife's a mess. She won't talk to me or anybody. So I went to counseling a few times, alone. She wouldn't come. Can't say I blame her. No amount of talking is going to bring our little girl back. Didn't see any point in staying away any longer if my wife wouldn't come to counseling. We had a lot of cases and I didn't want to leave my partner hanging. I thought the best thing to do to keep my mind off it all was to get back to work. Deputy Chief James, Captain First, and Lieutenant Vale silently exchanged looks for several uncomfortable moments, as if considering who was going to respond first. Finally, Deputy Chief James did. Detective, that's very admirable. But what happened today is unacceptable, regardless. But let me say, as a wife and a mother myself, I think right now your wife needs you worse than we do. Lieutenant Vale... You've already got my recommendation. Captain, would you like to add anything? Just that police work is tough. Doesn't matter what you're going through. You gotta keep your head at all times. I think you know that, detective. Captain First added, needlessly. Tyrone nodded and said, Yes, sir. That's all, said James. And with that, she and First exited the office. When the door shut behind them, Vale looked at Tyrone. Have a seat, Bowman, the lieutenant said. Tyrone sat, but did not bother getting comfortable. This would be over quick. He was sure of it. You know, I've been through fellow officers being killed in the line of duty. I've seen some of the best cops crack under pressure and quit the force. 
I've seen good ones, friends of mine, get busted, go to prison, and get killed by the same criminals they put behind bars. The captain's right. This is a tough job. Maybe the toughest. But when I got the call about your daughter, it was the hardest thing I've ever been through. I can't even imagine how you're back at work only two weeks later. I'd need a year. Even then I might not come back. For that, you'll always have my respect. And my admiration. Whatever that's worth. Tyrone looked at the floor, then back up. Thanks, LT. That means a lot. Now, uh, for the recommendation. Vale took a breath. Tyrone gulped. Early retirement. Actually, they wanted your formal resignation right then and there. I pleaded your case, and they said they'd go for early retirement, seeing as you're so close. I know, it's only, what, eight, nine months early? But I think it's better than getting the boot. Tyrone looked at the floor and nodded. So go home. Take care of your wife. Get the help you need. And don't feel like you can't call us if you need anything, okay? Vale stood and extended his hand. Tyrone clasped it. Vale held it for a while and said, You're a heck of a cop, Pullman. For what it's worth, after what you told me, I think it's impressive you went after that guy and took him down. I think I'd have pulverized him too, but that's off the record. Anyway... I'll need your badge and gun. Admin will be sending you all the retirement paperwork. Good luck to you. Tyrone left the LT's office after turning over his badge and gun. Ironically, he'd interviewed to become a detective in the same office that he was just fired in. Vale wasn't the department head at that time. Another aged cop who'd long since retired had given Tyrone a chance. Returning to his desk for the last time, he collected his few personal effects. Jerry turned in his chair, his expression somber, sympathetic even. So this is it, Greeny, he asked. Yeah, you know it. Insane world we living in, huh? Thug almost kills you, but they ain't catch that part on film, so you get fired, Tyrone said, feigning a strong facade. Yeah, tough break. Don't know if you heard, but the mother... The one the piece of crap put through the glass table? Tyrone nodded, understanding he was referring to Delisa. She didn't make it. Bled out. Tyrone sucked in a breath and shook his head. Dang, man. Any more bad news today? Country get overrun by terrorists? I mean, day ain't over yet. Easy, greenie. Look, if it's any consolation, that scumbag's getting charged with everything from assault on a cop to second-degree murder. He's going away for a long time. Yeah, we hope, Tyrone murmured. Hey, it's not all bad. I'll still pop on by with donuts every now and again, said Jerry. Your favorite's still the pink ones with sprinkles, right? Tyrone laughed. Thanks, Jerry. I'll be in touch. Make sure you wash that mug. Not a chance, he said with a smile. And don't be a stranger, okay? As Tyrone left Virginia Beach Police HQ, where he'd worked for the past 19 years, he could not stop the tears from streaming down his cheeks. He'd been a cop his entire adult life. What would he do now? How would he tell Keisha? Heck, could he tell her? Would she listen? Would she even comprehend? Or might news like this send her over the proverbial edge? 
He entered his house 30 minutes later, though he only lived five minutes from police HQ. Tyrone had sat in his truck for more than 20 minutes, working up the willpower to go inside. He felt like doing nothing, completely drained. He stepped through the front door, hung up his keys, and gasped. Keisha was awake. She sat on the couch in pink pajamas, a bathrobe, and brown fuzzy slippers. Her hair looked as if it had been pulled back into a bun, but the hair tie had long since quit working. She didn't acknowledge him. Instead, she stared down at the smartphone she held in her lap. Hey, you're up, Tyrone said. That's different. She didn't speak, only watched her phone. Still not talking, though, he said. That's the same. Again, no reaction. Didn't she wonder why he was home so early? Probably not. Judging by how much of a hot mess she looked, she likely didn't know what time it was or what was going on around her. Still, she was his wife. He owed it to her to reach out to her, at least try. But how? Should he sit next to her? Would this be a good time to tell her about his termination? Nah, take it slow. Baby steps, he thought. What you watching? he asked. In response, Keisha turned her phone around and held it up. The screen displayed the video of Tyrone pummeling the cowardly boyfriend. Immediately recognizing it, he looked away and shut his eyes tight. Can I explain? he began. Can't believe I didn't see it before, she muttered. See what? It was you. What you mean? You kill Jella. Thanks for listening to The Heart Speaks. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'll be back next week with another chapter. Until then, God bless and thank you. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental.